darlings. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Alex's Fun Little Podcast. We have quite the episode today. We are honored to have Katie Welch, the CMO of Rare Beauty, with us on the podcast today. But first, let's do a little bit of uh, housekeeping, office hours, I guess they call it. It's Thanksgiving this week. Happy almost Thanksgiving, everyone. I am so thankful and grateful for every single person that listens to this podcast and supports it and leaves reviews and tells other people. So thank you. I have been tasked with baking an apple pie this year. And by tasked, I mean I insisted that I should make a pie this year when I could have just let my mother-in-law, who's an excellent cook and baker, make it. But I wanted to appear valuable. So I offered to make the apple pie and now I actually have to do it. I was reading the instructions this morning and I, I got a little scared. There's a lot of like rolling out dough, cutting it into lattice pieces, coring the apples. It's a lot. Like I, I kind of thought it was just gonna be chop up some apples and put them in a pre-made crust, but it's not proving to be so. I have to soak raisins in rum. Do we have rum? I don't feel like that's something we have on tap here, here at my parents' house. I had to go to the store and buy raisins and rum and apples. What kind of pie is this that you're making? It's apparently the LA Times best apple pie of all time. Well, see, you do this to yourself. Not only did you volunteer a pie that you didn't need to make, you are now attempting to make the world's best apple pie from some hard recipe. Why don't you do a classic, easy bake? Because if I'm going to do it, I have to make the best apple pie. I'm not offering to do it so people can be like, oh, this apple pie is fine. And so they can say this is the best apple pie I've ever had. No complaining from you. I'm telling you. I've already complained, though, so it's too late. (laughs) I don't know why you do this. I honestly don't either. You know, my mother-in-law, Lynn, was like, just bring a bottle of wine. And I could have stopped there. I could have stopped there. But I'm a masochist who just likes to make myself suffer. And so what will I be doing tomorrow night on the eve of Thanksgiving? I will likely be baking an apple pie and crying and maybe a little bit of yelling. And you're going to be looking up directions for substitutes of things that you forgot to buy. "Mm, What's a substitute for this? I forgot to buy it. And then you're going to wonder why it doesn't turn out correct once you use those substitutes. Michael, this is very unsupportive. I'm sorry, but that is what happens. Every time you attempt a new recipe, you inevitably forget one ingredient. And then you look for what is a substitute. And then you're curious as to why it didn't turn out exactly like you thought it would. That was a read. That was a real read on me and you're not you're not wrong that does happen all of a sudden i'm doing a recipe and you can like you can hear it like you know when it's coming the oh shit (laughs) yeah and that's followed by one of two things guilt trip me to go to the store to get it correct or just deal with it say this sucks i don't know why i did this get really mad about it and then inevitably it turns out fine it's still like good but it's not exactly how you wanted and you're upset about it and you're basically saying i'm never baking again Anyways, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever with your families that support you and love you and are there for you in in the good and the bad and the pie times. This week's Daily Dance, I want to dedicate it to my friend Samantha Wilson because it was through a conversation we were having that this song came back into my conscious. And it is About Us by Brooke Hogan featuring Paul Wall. Iceman. Brooke Hogan was a product of the early 2000s pop star boom. Everybody wanted to be a pop star. Everybody wanted to be the next Britney Spears, including Hulk Hogan's daughter. 
Brock. They had a show on VH1, Hogan, Hogan Knows Best, Hogan Rules, something like that. But it was like a reality show about their family. And naturally, being one with the culture and a single mom who had no choice but to leave me at home for hours on end during the summer and I just sat myself in front of the TV, I enjoyed the show. And in it, Hulk Hogan is trying to make his daughter Brooke into a pop star and she comes out with the song About Us. It's the lead single. And I think the only single to be honest. But the song is, is a banger. It is. Like, you can really bob your head and dance around. I do just have to say, however, the content of the song is all about, like, Brooke Hogan dating someone and they all want to know about us. See their lips moving, but they ain't seeing nothing. Did that many people want to know about the relationship Brooke Hogan was in? If we're being honest. If we're, if we're, just if we're being honest. Like, how many people were like, I need to talk about Brooke Hogan and her dating life? And then I think it was rumored she was actually with Paul Wall. But either way, they gave us an absolute smash of a hit. And I listened to it last week for the first time in many years and knew it had to be this week's song. I also, um, do you ever like have something on your phone and then maybe your phone's in your pocket or it's been in your hand and you look down, it's on a completely different page. Like you've just accidentally been tapping around. So I was on the song on Spotify about us. And then all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, I took my phone out of my coat pocket and I was all of a sudden on Brooke Hogan's cash app. I was like, how did I get on Brooke Hogan's cash app? Why does she have a cash app? And it turns out on her Spotify page, she had a link to a personal cash app to support her. And I'm not going to shame anyone for if they need money, how they need money, but isn't Hulk Hogan, like, her dad? I feel like Brooke Hogan should be cash-apping me for being a supporter all these years later. Anyway, listen to the song, Cash Apper, if you want, and dance around and enjoy. I am so honored to have today's guest on the podcast, and it is Katie Welch. Katie is currently the chief marketing officer for Rare Beauty, which, yes, that does mean Selena Gomez uh, is her boss. My dog is my boss, technically, but hers is a lot cooler. Katie is a master at brand storytelling and has more than 20 years of marketing experience. I first met Katie through newness, tuning into streams, and I just really became so in awe of her outlook on life, her willingness to help others and bring them up with her. I feel like you see a lot of times people in coveted positions and they don't really make the extra effort to help lift up others. And that's the entirety of what Katie does, whether it's on her TikTok, her Instagram. She is constantly offering very sound, very helpful advice at how to break into marketing, how to break into the beauty industry. She's posting different job postings on LinkedIn. She really is such a supporter of women, of other generations, of her colleagues. And it's so admirable. She's worked with Hourglass, Bliss, Elemis, Burt's Bees. She's appeared on AMC's The Pitch. She's been in Allure, Women's Wear Daily, Vogue Business, Glossy, and more. And she's currently living in Los Angeles, even though she is a Midwesterner at heart. She has the cutest dog, Honey. And she has so graciously decided to come on the podcast today to offer just an ounce of her wisdom. And I promise you, it's going to make a difference in your life. It's made a difference in mine. 
So without further ado, here is Katie Welch. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. This is such an honor to have you here today. I I mean, I've followed you on TikTok for a while and, you know, really have taken so much to your philosophy on how you present yourself and present people with advice and information. It's very different from, I feel like, what we hear normally online. It's interesting. Well, first of all, and I'm so happy to be with you because I follow you on newness. <laughs> and that's how Thank I you. first discovered you and uh, and all of your social content and the podcast. Um, so thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, and then as far as TikTok, yeah, you know, I, I started on TikTok because, oh gosh, I started in 2020. Um, I noticed it as a platform that was starting to take a lot of my attention. And of course, I wanted to learn the platform myself. And as you know, the best way something sometimes is just to dive in and do it, especially mm-hmm. within social content. And But at the same time, we were building Rare Beauty and I didn't know a lot of like sort of entry-level people to build the team. I, I just didn't have the, the contacts. And I thought a lot about how I got into the beauty industry and how I started. I grew up in Missouri. I did not grow up with parents who were connected in New York City or Los Angeles or knew, knew anything about the beauty industry. And I, when I was in college, I, I met a woman who was an executive at Estee Lauder. And I thought, that's a, that's a career path. You can do that. That's amazing. I, I love makeup. I want, that's, I want that to be my job. And uh, truthfully, the rest is history. I mean, obviously, it's, that was in the 90s. A lot has happened since then. But had I not met that one person, I wouldn't have known that that was even a career path. And so because of that moment, and I was thinking about that while building Rare Beauty, I thought, gosh, I wonder if there's a way I can use TikTok to be that person to some other people. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, sh- it shouldn't be about Nepo babies or whatever the word is on uh TikTok. Like I was gonna I want, say, Nepo babies is a big topic right now on on TikTok. So it's apt. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to meet people that I didn't know, new faces, fresh voices, etc. So uh, I thought, well, this would be cool. I'll just try it. And then next thing you know, it's just sort of evolved, and I have just met the coolest, most wonderful people through you know, it's evolved to not just talking about different career paths in beauty, but career advice or marketing advice or anything. And honestly, I just like going on live and answering people's questions in real time. It's a lot easier than trying to do videos. Uh, But it's just been fascinating. And man, I've learned a ton as well, because I think you learn by listening. And it's almost like reverse mentorship is thinking about sort of the questions that I get. The questions that I get from current 20-year-olds are so insightful, so interesting questions that I would never have asked when I was 20. And honestly, I've thought about this a lot. And I think it's because those conversations weren't even happening when I was in in the mm-hmm. 90s, in the Sex and the City era. Like no one was talking about what work-life balance is, having boundaries. Like I was just thinking about how am I going to get a pair of Manolo Blahniks, <laughs> which is so messed up. Good, good motivation, <laughs> though, I guess. Like <laughs> The world, like that was what was popular culture. But now conversations are, there's so much more depth and dimension. And it's thanks to things like social media. I mean, social media, God, wasn't around when I was starting my career, which is wild. So because of social, where there's so much access and there's, there's so much access to individuals, there's so much access to information, there's so much access to 
there's so much ability to kickstart new information and to learn more as you're starting your career. So I was just inspired by all of it. And I've been inspired by my whole TikTok community and it's been fun. It's really wonderful to, to be a part of your audience on there. And I know I, I fangirled right out the gate, but we'll back up for a second. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your career path, because later on, you're going to give us your five best pieces of advice and they're so valuable. And when I, when I read them, when you sent them over in an email, they, some of them are so simple that it's going to be very easy for myself and the audience to act on them. But some are so deep and like really made me think like, huh, you sh- like she's kind of right on that. Like why, why didn't I think of that like before? So we'll back up for a second. And if you can just give us a little, you know, a little spiel about um, your, your career and where yeah. you're from. I know you are a fellow Midwesterner. Yeah. That's why, that's why we're nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Raised in the Midwest, formative years in New York, which is probably why I'm a hard worker. But now I live in LA, so I have a little bit of chill, I guess. Wow. Could say. I mean, uh, you really hit the trifecta there. <laughs> yeah, right. I really like LA. I miss New York. I miss my friends. I miss people, but I love LA. Um, anyway, so what, what is my career path? I, I, I started, oh God, what did I do? So I graduated, went to college in Ohio. I graduated in 1999 and moved straight to New York City. My first job right out of school was in the Macy's buyer training program. And I was an assistant buyer and then eventually a planner, which is like allocating the product uh, to the stores in the very glamorous luggage and frames department. Mm. Yes. All I wanted to do, I watched those cosmetics buyers and all I wanted to be was in a cosmetics buyer. And they were like, no, there's no openings. I couldn't get into cosmetics, but I knew that was what I wanted just because I had always loved makeup. That was something that just really interested me more than fashion and certainly more than luggage or frames. And, but I learned a lot. It was a great sort of foundational basis of retail, retail marketing, what it is to like, I was an English major in college. I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew a lot, but you know what I'm saying, but not when it mm. comes to this. So this was a great foundation in 1999. Then, uh, as I continued to do it, I knew that it maybe wasn't my forever home and talking to people in the industry, or as I met people at Macy's or Macy's adjacent, um, they said, maybe you'd be interested in something like communications or PR. And I didn't really know what PR was at the time. And they said that because when I was in college, I had interned at a magazine, Marie Claire, because I was an English major. I thought I wanted to be a writer. Honestly, I just interviewed for a bunch of jobs when I was college and I got the Macy's one and I took it. That's the honest truth of what happened. Sounds about so right. So <laughs> I, yeah, that's what you do. Yep. And, and I think that's fine. And my gosh, I spoke with a, a, a college student last night and she was just so stressed and I get it. But you you just have to start and you have the rest of your life <laughs> to work. So your first job is just that. It's your first job. You're just going to start to find stuff out. Like no path is linear. Anyway, as you'll see <laughs> from both my story and this and my path. Um, so from Macy's, then I was able to get into the, I, an entry-level job at Victoria's Secret Beauty in the, what was called the store communications department. It wasn't PR communications adjacent. It was at least in beauty. It was on a brand side, but it was entry, like capital E, capital L entry level. It was, I was clearing off voicemails 
from um, something called 1-800-HER-BATH, which is where stores could call in. God, I wonder if they still have it. Maybe we should bleep that out. Could call in and say if they needed more like uh, love spell. And I would enter and I would enter it into an Excel sheet. And uh, but what was what I was able to do was then like understand, really start to learn about the beauty industry, understand all the different departments within Victoria's Secret, build relationships internally, meet people, learn and just take it all in. And eventually a PR position opened up and I was able to take a lateral move. I interviewed internally and I moved into the PR department and then kind of the rest is history. And then I, I worked in public relations at Victoria's Secret Beauty. And then I moved to the agency side and had some really formative years within the brand, within the PR communications agency side, then eventually made it to the brand side through one of my clients. Um, I was the head of marketing for Bliss in New York City. Then, uh, from that more agency work than from there as the head of marketing for Hourglass Cosmetics. Then I was at The Honest Company and then today at Rare Beauty. Amazing. That was all and over, none of like, I don't know, however many years. Many you really years. made it very concise. Um, that was impressive. <laughs> uh, an impressive entire career in two minutes. <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, but it's, I think when you look back, like I definitely, it wasn't linear. I jumped a handful of times, but every time I jumped, it was somewhat purposeful. I, there are a few times, there's one time in particular where I think I made a mistake mm. in my, in the, in the job that I took. And it was, it was to go back to the agency. You'll notice I went back to the an agency a few times, but it was because I loved the agency so much and I loved the people. And, but when I got there, I thought, uh oh wait, this isn't actually the, the career path or the job that I wanted. I, I made a mistake. You make, you're allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But had I not made that mistake, it wouldn't have put me back on the path on the brand side. Like I, I then, because of that, I aggressively looked for a new job and I was able to find the position at Hourglass Cosmetics, which then was pretty monumental. Like it was, those, that was a formative position in my career when I look back. So I think we, we worry so much about we got to take the right job, the right next step. But the wrong job, what I've learned is that the wrong job, the wrong step could actually put you in the right direction. Mm. So if, because if it's, if it's the, if it's the opportunity that can help you understand what you want to do, what you like, what you dislike, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And if it's just a part of your path to help you get to the right place, then it's not wrong. I love that. Stress I, so much. Yeah. Stress so I, much. I get even I've been so stressed out, you know, in my career of, is this the right move? It's, if it's not the right move, I'm going to, I mean, implode my entire future, my career, my jobs. And that just isn't true. And it's something that I think most people deal with in their, in their career paths is that immense amount 100%. of stress. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think there's so much comparison yes. and, I think career paths used to not be, I kind of hate talking so much about like what it used to be like, but there used to be, you know, think of like pre LinkedIn days. You didn't know really, you didn't, you kind of knew what your friends did. You didn't really pay attention. You paid attention and maybe you compare a little bit, but it wasn't so in your face. It wasn't so look who has a new job. Look who like you, it like anything within social media, it, 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 it gives you this ability, I guess, to, to compare and it's hard to not. I mean, it's, it's a human nature to do so. But 
nothing, ha you know, nothing's ever written in stone. So I think the, the more that you can think about what can you get from every experience that you engage with, that you encounter, and you are going to learn something, even if you're in this like position where you think, why did I go to college for this or whatever emotion it might elicit? Uh, there's always something you can learn, whether it's through the way you felt, what you were doing with the way the people at the corporation, let's say for more corporate job, what made you feel how you don't need to make someone feel that way. Like everything really can be a learning experience, learning lesson. Definitely. Like you said, even the mistakes, you can take something out of it of that's not what I want to do with my life. That wasn't meant for me. And it can put you on the right path. And I, yeah. I think that's such good advice. And that's not even one of your top five best pieces of advice. <laughs> you know, that question comes up a lot of like, just how do I people and I get it because I think I probably wanted the same thing. Like you just a lot of people want. They just want to do the right thing. Yeah, they and want I think the right answer. You know, they want the right next step. And it's so personal. It's personal. And yet I, I definitely relate to you know, your comments on comparison, because I think that, I mean, I, I, when I started my career, social media was definitely around. I had just gotten on Instagram. I got on Facebook a couple of years prior and to see it develop into such a state of comparison. What does somebody else have? What do they look like? What vacation are they taking? What is their job title? I don't have that. Why don't I have that? I work hard. And it's, I mean, there's some days where I'm like, I literally have to throw my phone across the room and not look at it for the rest of the day because I'm going in such a dark hole of why haven't I done what that person's done yet? What do they have that I don't? I'm I'm not special. I'm not valuable. And it, it can be so crushing. It's good to throw your phone across the room sometimes. It is. Sometimes I wish I would throw it across the room and it would accidentally go out the window and never to be seen again. <laughs> no, but then you got you to gotta be able to text your mom. So think of the good okay. things the phone has. Fair. I'll get a flip phone. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get a spare. <laughs> well, I think we should get into it. Okay. These are your five best pieces of advice as of November 18th, 2022. Great. <laughs> Perfect. You know what? Because every day is a new learning experience and new, like you just evolve and you think of new things. But as of today. Okay. Would you like to announce number, number five? five? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, Say yes to things. Like, I, I think life is a series of collisions and you just don't know who you're going to collide with. Whether it's about your career, whether it's about personal life, friends, experiences. Now, don't overdo it. Obviously, if you're tired, stay home. There's always, oh, I love staying on, sitting on the couch and watching Bravo. However, also say yes to stuff. Go to the museum. Go to... My friend the other day had a invited me to a dance, a modern dance performance. Mm. I don't know anything about modern dance, but you know what? It was cool. It was great to like do something different. So I think you just, you never know who you're going to meet. That person that you meet could impact your career. That person that you meet could shed something, some positive light. Again, life is a series of collisions. And I don't know, the Postmates delivery person may not be the person with the wise advice, the experience that you want to get. <laughs> so what do you say to people? Like for me, you know, I hear that advice and I'm like, 
of course. I want to say yes to as many experiences and things as possible. I think for a lot of people, aka me, there is an element of fear of what if I get there and I am weird or I do a bad job or it's scary or I've embarrassed myself. And there's this fear that I'm like, well, if I don't go, none of that is going to happen. Yeah. But what if you did? And I think the thing is, like, when you think about people are going to (laughs) – People only care about themselves. That's very so, true. So like when I feel nervous, people are not going to like what I have to say or like I'm going to an, an event and I don't know if I like what I'm wearing. No one ever notices because people are so consumed with themselves. It's true. That, like, don't let that impact your experience and your day and your future and your potential. Worry it's about a- yourself in a good way. It's a very good point because even I, when I go to an event, I don't ever come home like, what was that person wearing? Or what did that person say? I'm always like, what was I wearing? What did I say? And I'm not usually thinking about other people, you know, and what they did or if it was embarrassing. And even sometimes I'll be out with friends and we'll text each other after and be like, oh, sorry if that was weird or if what I said was weird. And every time it's like, no, it was fine. Like you're, you're good. You're overthinking this. And I think overthinking sometimes even prevents me from saying yes to things that feel a little bit scary. I once read something or heard someone say, if you question like that, it's so normal to question yourself in like, okay, let's say you're in a conversation with a, with a friend and you get home and you're like, was that a weird thing to say? And that if you didn't question it, like that would make you, I don't know, like maybe it was something on like narcissism or something. So I feel mm. like it's normal to question and to remember yeah. and to think. That makes you, you're humble, you're human. Mm-hmm. But think about all the times you did say yes and you go out and you have a good time with your friends or you go to a new experience and you, the good that does come from it. And also, nothing's ever in stone. You can always leave. You can always go mm. home. That's a good point. I always forget that part. I have free will and could just leave if I You're wanted free will. to. You have free will to go. So I think just say yes. And maybe it's baby steps. Maybe it's saying yes to the small stuff first to build up to the big stuff. Hmm. That's a good tip. What do you feel about like in a career? Whenever I hear people applying for jobs, I'm like, I don't know, this might be a little bit too too big for me like I how am I supposed to be a manager or a leader or take this bigger role I don't think I'm capable of doing that and again it does come Uh, from that place of fear like how how do you say yes to something that you're genuinely worried I'm not ready for this yeah so there was a study done years ago I think it was oh lordy maybe Hewlett Packard I don't remember what company uh hosted the survey, but it was written about in Harvard Business Review. And it said something about that women apply for jobs where they can say 100% that they're qualified. Like, let's say there's a bullet Mm. list of qualifications. Women will apply only if they meet all 100% of the qualifications, whereas men will apply if they meet 60%. Hmm. How infuriating is that? Yeah. Infuriating and absolutely true. Right. But it doesn't... But you, it's all about framing a narrative and no one has that exact experience for a job because you've never done it before. 
Hmm. You don't have that. How could you possibly have that exact experience? Unless it's the same job, same company. Like there's always going to be a new environment, new people, new rules, new ways of thinking, new, just by nature of the position. So you could never be 100% qualified. You haven't done it before. This is, it's like actually not feasible. It's not possible. So if you think about it, like in that way, then why not just apply? Why not try? Because I think, sure, you may, there's ways of looking at qualifications of jobs and sort of reframe. It's all about framing and the narrative and thinking about, okay, what's that skill that you need to do? Let's say whatever one of the, the, the requirements are. Have you done something similar? Most likely. Just about how you storytell it and how you frame it back up. That makes it feel a lot less scary when you're in a career yeah. situation. Like, I'm never going to be 100% qualified because how how could I be? How could that, shouldn't, that shouldn't you stop me. You haven't actually done that job because you haven't worked in that company as the VP of XYZ before. So that that's why you want that job, to have that experience, to get mm. that quality. So it's... I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. And then it does take a, a little bit of fearlessness, a little bit of risk-taking, a little bit of openness to rejection. Mm. I, there's countless jobs I've not received, I didn't get that I went and interviewed for. Countless. Were there any Happens. jobs that you did get that you had that feeling of, oh, oh my gosh, like this is this is big time. Like I'm, I don't know. Yeah. All of them, <laughs> all of them, all of them. And then you get a question you're like, I do not know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to figure it out. Like every single job I was, every single job I've started, I have not been fully qualified for 100%. Wow. That is because so. It's just so enlightening. I never started because... a band with a celebrity. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I hadn't. Even the Hourglass Cosmetics job, I hadn't done something to that level. I hadn't worked in luxury cosmetics. But you, it's all, it le- I mean, I can't sp- say that for all industries. Obviously, if you're in the medical field, if you are, but like within marketing, within consumer products, like within the worlds that I lo- live in, you can figure it out. Yes. I, I definitely don't want my orthopedic surgeon saying I was not qualified for, for this job. Yeah. This is where these are not universal truths. But <laughs> but to your credit- you know, Marketing communications worlds. I, I have literally been in a doctor's appointment and I'll ask them something. I'll go, I don't know. Let's look it up. And I'm like, look it up where? Like I'm- okay, like, I guess. Yeah. And they'll pull out Google. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it doesn't quite this seem right. This is where I cannot speak confidently, <laughs> but I can speak to um, marketing and public relations. Um, yes. Very fair. Yeah. If, if you want to enter sort of those career paths. Absolutely. All right. Should we go to number four? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what you focus on and who you surround yourself with impacts you. I think this is something there, there was a, there was a Harvard business review story the other day. That's been pretty popular. I'm such a nerd. Um, 
Uh, and it's all about work friends and the importance and support of work friends. But I think it's not just work friends. It's your, it, it's, it really does impact whether it's from whom you're learning, from whom you're getting positive energy, um, inspiration, opportunities to relax and chill. I, I think when I look back and I think of the friends who I've just like, whether I've maintained or continued like friendships that I've continued to foster, how important they are to me. And there is something to, if you are a career minded person or someone who, who, um, you know, sees their, uh, sees a, a future in, in sort of more of a corporate career environment, having those work friends are so important because you need people to turn to, to ask questions about whether it's about salary negotiations, handling a boss, first time manager, questions that sometimes you just need to talk to someone about that your partner, your family, your friends from high school, they may not know, which is fine, but it helps to have that, to have that network of people. And then you never know, sort of as you, one of my best friends in life is someone that we worked together in the early aughts. So I, I do think having those people in your life, they they help to make your life very full. So paying attention to who those people are and making sure that they are that positive impact to you. Um, it's really, it's it's more meaningful than maybe you realize at the time. Absolutely. And I, I think it's important to emphasize the positive impact part because I've had many jobs where, you know, we kind of, I'm with my coworkers and everyone's being really negative about the, you know, oh, the company's yeah. toxic and, and and all these horrible things are happening. We're doing it every day, all day, every day. And even if the situation's bad, this isn't a company we want to be at. It does truly affect your your mental health when you go home at night and you're alone and this is what you've surrounded yourself with all day. And, you know, I've had to be really conscious of that now because I've, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm consumed by this from the time I walk into the office to the time I go to bed at night because I'm thinking about it now and I'm worried about people. And, um, that was hard for me to come to terms with. Definitely. 100%. That's such a good point. And some people you'll find that just start with a negative bias and that they, some people will bond over that negativity or gossip. And it really doesn't fuel you or feed you. You know, it's like eating junk food every day. It's it, maybe it's fun at the time, but it's just going to ultimately not serve, serve you well. And it's not worth it because you're right. Especially if it turns into a narrative where you just continue to think about it. Mm -hmm. There's so many other things you can think about to weigh it down because I think also when you're in these situations and it's hard to, to look forward, but when you look back, God, you move, you, if they're so minor and the fact that you had wasted time, energy, heartache over stuff that was so inconsequential in the grand scheme of your life, it's just not worth it. So really recognizing who those positive influences are to rise above. And I know it's sometimes easier said than done, but it does make a significant impact. You're right. And I, I think something a lot of people get stuck on, and I definitely have in the past, is what do you do when you know you're surrounded by 
people or groups that do not make a positive impact and but maybe they've been your friend for a really long time or it's a coworker you see every single day and you know most people don't want to feel like they're being mean or don't want to feel like they've dropped someone so they just continue on and I've definitely had friendships where I've thought in my head gosh like I I really do need to find a way to let this go because it's taken such a toll on my on my mental health but I think people struggle with how do you do that? How do you do like breaking up with a friend? Yes. Because they're still a fun friend. How can you then be the driver of the conversation topics or try to flip the script? If, if they start to say something negative, let's say about another coworker, can you try and combat that? Can you try, try to change the topic? It's hard. Or just try and maybe lessen the amount of time that you spend in those situations where the topics naturally go to work or negativity, work negativity rather. Maybe there's ways to, can you, can you bring, can you drive the conversation from a positive standpoint? Or maybe it's about something else entirely. It's hard though. Man, is it hard. hard. It's so hard and and heartbreaking. it's heartbreaking, but but the most important thing truly is recognizing it. And if you're able to, it's kind of like meditation. When you're trying to meditate and the thoughts come in and you recognize, okay, that's a thought, but I'm trying to focus on my breathing. Maybe there's a way, I'm not a professional, but maybe this is the way I would handle it. Recognizing that, okay, they're saying something sort of negative. I don't agree with it, but I recognize that this is the way they need to deal with their stress. But I, I mentally am not going to engage with that. Yeah, almost like a back to my breathing. Like I recognize that it's Correct. there and I'm going to bring myself it's back. There. That's the way that person needs to handle the pressure at work. But I'm going to handle it by asking more questions, talking directly to my boss, changing my approach to things. And man, is that a great life? If you're able to figure that out, what a great life lesson to take with you. So yes, you're in this negative situation, this negative environment potentially. But man, if you're able to handle that and come out on top and still have that positive not toxic positivity, mm-hmm. but sort of recognize, okay, that's the way they're dealing with it. I'm going to take a different approach. Having that muscle memory or that skill is something that you're going to be able to take with you in every situation. Every situation down to, okay, it's a shitty day at the DMV. It's a, you know, like putting, I always try to understand, to put myself where people are. So where they're coming from. So if someone is, complaining about a situation at work. Okay, well, maybe this person feels like they've put a ton of effort into something and they're not getting recognized. Like I try to get to the root of the complaint or the root of the frustration or why someone is approaching something in a certain way. And it helps me if I try to look at things through their eyes or in their shoes, it helps me understand the why. And maybe the complaint becomes less of a sort of a naggy complaint and more of a, okay, this person really just wants to be you know, have people recognize how much hard work they've put into a situation or be seen as an equal partner or something. Like usually there's a reason for the complaint. And that helps me sort of see it as less of negativity, but more of, okay, how can, is there a way to, to help quell that negativity with an action? I love that too, because that's, that's empathy. 
Like that's empathy and it and it humanizes a situation that most people might get on the defense about or think mm-hmm. about what it says about them instead of let me look at it from this person's point of view. And I think that's so important to do in many situations. Even if I get a nasty yeah. comment on Instagram, like, you know what? This person's probably really going through something. Like they yeah. they're obviously very hurt to be saying something like that. And it yeah. helps you almost keep your own peace too. And I wasn't born with that. Like I still work on it every day. I do I get it wrong? Of course. <laughs> you know, because then you're going through your own stuff as well. But it is something God, even I think in like the last few years I've learned a lot. Do you feel like because of social media and our access to so many different people from different walks of life and with different experiences, Mm -hmm. maybe that's pushed some of that, like a more empathetic, you know, worldly view? Because I feel like it has a little bit, like just being able to experience other people's stories and situations and having full access to that has really made me more in touch with things that are bigger than me, not about me, um, and how I can see it in another light. Yeah, I, I, I do. And that's the, so while the, the negative, I guess, is the self-comparison and then is the positive, the, the empathy that could be, you could write a think piece about that. I I think I I would love to. You can do a whole podcast about that. That's kind of cool. I love that. I was going to say if, if any, um, you know, outlets out there want to pick up that story, that's fine. If not, I'll do it myself on my own pot with my own outlet. (laughs) You should do it. I just might. It's interesting. It's like the rise of empathy. Is that, is that the flip? Talk about reframing. So interesting. I think there's something there for sure. Yeah. I I mean, even through telling my, when I decided to be more open online about my disability and my just journey as a, as a disabled person, I, received a level of empathy online from other disabled people that I did not know existed. I was like, oh, you, you've never met me. You don't know me. Your situation is not the same as mine. And yet you are able to message me and say something that sticks with me and is meaningful and impactful to my life. And I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so it's not all bad. (laughs) It's not all that bad. It's community. It is. That's how I met you. Connection. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we like it. We love it. Okay. We Are we it. on number three now? Three. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. You can edit a lot of this. Uh, three. Okay. Stay curious. This is so important. This is just like a personal, for, for me, this is something that I truly believe in. I think our world just changes at the speed of culture. And there's so much to, to learn, to listen, so much to listen to, so much to, to just consume in a good way. And yes, obviously you can scroll through dancing TikToks and stuff, but, but I really believe like whether it's to your point of learning more about individuals, experience, individual experiences, what, so whether it's to become a more empathetic human or from a career standpoint, if you, let's say you do want to be a marketer to become a better marketer, 
you, you need to pay attention to what's happening in the world around you, not just reading the trade magazines, but what's happening in pop culture, what's happening in technology, what's how, how are you, everything, like what are you interested in? What's consuming your time? All of paying attention to all of that. Yes, it impacts your worldview. It impacts your, um, but it can, it can impact your career in so many different ways. And I just think having a curious mindset is so, for me, it's very, it's fulfilling. I, I just continue to love, I love to learn and not in a, the way it was in school, but more of in a way like enriching my mind with different points of view and information. What are some of your favorite ways that you stay curious? The books, media, podcasts? What is all, it? All, all of the I love, um, I love art. I spend a lot of time reading about art, um, going to museums. That's like, that's my passion. Uh, but then as far as everything else, I, I, I consume a lot of media. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I try to surround myself with people who are similar and like to learn as well. And not in however you describe learning quotes, you know, and that could be something that we're sharing interesting, an interesting article. Did you see this? Did you see that? Uh, I, that, that is something that I think I've always, I've always had that, that nature. And I remember someone once did say to me, like, just keep reading. Um, and that was a woman who owned an APR agency many, many years ago. And I think that was interesting. Like she read the wall street journal or something every day. And again, this is pre social media. So that's what we did, I suppose. But there's so many wonderful points of view and, and taking them all in and to f- help inform your own. It's it's very true to think of learning in a different light. Like I feel like when most of us think of learning, it's a little bit more education-based, like maybe sure. some PTSD from school days. But last night, my girlfriends and I went to a cocktail and scent class. And I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be fun, like cocktail Ooh. event. And when we were in it, I was like, I'm learning so much about an industry. That's so cool. I, yeah, I never thought that I'd want to know anything about, but now I know the history of why cocktails were made and how scent yeah. like dates back to Cleopatra and how she used to make like it, it was just it's such a cool thing that I thought it was just gonna be a night out with friends and we were all like, wow, we really learned something that none of us have anything to do with with our careers or our yeah. life, but. How cool to learn from someone who is really passionate about what they were teaching. Hundred percent. That's exactly it. That's ex- that's exactly it. I love stuff like that. So it's just keeping your mind curious, taking in new things, learning new things. Yeah, and it's not about going and get a cert- certification in something. That's more like paying attention to the world around you. That makes it a lot less scary too to feel like, oh, stay curious, learn. I don't have to go pick up the most no. philosophical book at the library and start reading. Like I, I can just, I can go to a cocktail class. Yeah, you <laughs> wanted to, by all means, you know, but then also go pick up a, I don't know, Colleen Hoover book or something. Like, so I mm-hmm. think it's just keeping your mind going. Do a crossword puzzle. Those are so hard. So hard. <laughs> I, I'm always humbled by a crossword puzzle. <laughs> or Wordle, but I try. I try to do those like mini New York Times puzzles. Um, but it, uh, it's so easy to 
scroll or watch TV, but it can be so much more rewarding in the long run to, to, to read. It's true, especially this time of year when I'm done working or done cooking dinner. I'm like, oh, let me just cozy up on the couch. And I, in the last few weeks, I, I have a girlfriend who's read one book every month this year. And I told her, I was like, you know, I tried to do that. I started out really hot. I was reading like two, three books a month. And then around April, I, I kind of dropped off and I didn't read as many. And, and she said, she was like, one book a month was important to me because if I'm getting to the end of the month and I have I've maybe read like a quarter of the book, I'm like, okay, I have to keep going. Like, I'm not going to lose this goal on this month. And so I think I'm, yeah. I've started doing that. I'm trying, I've been reading a book this month, a Colleen Hoover book, um, speaking of which, and it has just been yeah. very nice to even shift my brain in a way at night. That's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to consume any more news, any more media, nothing on TikTok, nothing on Instagram. Instead, I'm going to spend yeah. some time with myself having a different experience. Yes. And also I think it, I mean, as far as like the before you go to bed stuff, my gosh, it so like those screens, <laughs> I have an aura ring. And so I really like, I'm able to track what works with sleep and what doesn't. And I have had those nights, I'm not, I'm human, where you scroll until whatever hour and then fall asleep and your sleep is not as good. And it does, reading before bed helps so much. Just that's, I mean, they've said it, we heard it. Like we know it's like meditation. We know we're supposed to be doing it. We know we're not supposed to have these screens before bed, but it's actually true. I'm so, I'm always devastated to find out. I'm, I'm always devastated to find out that these things are true. I'm like, dang, morning meditation <laughs> actually works? Like, shoot. Like, there's been so much science, we <laughs> have to believe it. I, I know, still don't like, do it this morning. But I try, I try, I try. I really try. I I have a meditation. I, like, put my headphones on my nightstand. And when I wake up, I'm like, okay, just put the headphones in and do it. And I do try my best. They said, what, they did a study and there was, like, it was for 13, 13 minutes a day for eight weeks and there was actual like scientific brain <laughs> scientific evidence from brain scans really something mm -hmm. it was do on, you sleep with your phone next to your bed it's like at a table okay not it's not directly next to my head okay that's better than you me. have to get, out of it to get it oh see i need I've been challenging my husband and I to put our charge our phones in the bathroom, like in our, in our room, Oof. because yeah. sometimes I'll just wake up and he he's already on his phone, like looking at emails and stuff. And I'm like, "Hello, good morning." Like, yeah, of course, human. <laughs> and I do the same thing. Then I get up and I'm like, "Oh, so and so texted me, and I have this email." And all right, let's go. I don't have time to meditate. Yeah. I, I have things to do. <laughs> I know it's hard. I. It's hard. I try to, I don't, if I don't always meditate, I do try to move, like mm -hmm. go outside and go on a walk. I'm not the most athletic person in the world, but that's made a big difference as well. Same. So I, I to try to get out now that I have a dog, he's here. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I try to get out for like 20 minutes at least to get him outside and get me outside. But now that it's snowing, I'm like, mm, maybe not. I'll, I'll meditate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will start. I promise. Good. Okay, I think number two is my favorite one. It's kind of a nice segue to number two. Yeah. A little bit. Finding your fuel and your flow. So this is something that I've thought about that took me a while to realize. 
And when I think about my, your fuel is what gets you going. Like what, 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 what keeps you nourished? What keeps you, what keeps you going really? That's it. And, and, and so thinking about your, cause you're, you need to have your fuel so that you can get to that flow. And the flow state is, if you think about from a career standpoint or from a work standpoint, almost when like when you lose track of time, you're working on something and you're like, you're excited about it. It happens where it could be because, and, and usually you get to those flow states when you're, when you're good at something and, and that could be anything that could be, if you're an accountant, that could be Excel, Excel sheets. If you're, you know, for me, it's, it's thinking about brand storytelling and I have, I think in PowerPoint and how nerdy is that, but I do. And, but you get to these, it's these moments where, um, you're, you're, you're going to work hard because you're in that state of like, whatever it is that you do, if of creation, whatever you're creating, whatever you're doing, even if it's a flow state of responding to sales flow emails, or you're on a sales call, like there are those moments, there will be those moments. You have to find those. And most likely those flow moments will be sustained by your fuel and that fuel, you got to figure out what that is. And that could be anything like, uh, I have to go on a walk every morning. I have to leave at five o'clock to go to my kid, to have dinner with my kids. I have to, uh, I got to go to bed at 10. I have to, whatever. I have to see my girlfriends every Friday night. And, and, and you, you find out what those things are that fuel you and you protect those at all costs. I have to call my mom every, every morning, find whatever it is. You got to figure out what those are and you protect those. And, and those are the boundaries that you set because you need to have that fuel, those moments so that you can get into that flow state and that you can work hard. And I'm not saying get up and work, but I'm saying find those, you're going to find those moments where you need to work hard. So make sure that you've got that sort of harmony between those two things, that fuel and that flow. I like referring to it as fuel instead of routines or things to do. It, it's a different way of looking at it that makes it seem more like it's these are the things that are fulfilling so that I can mm-hmm. go do this thing that I'm really good at or that I enjoy doing. And I need these things to like yeah. get me going like, like a car, like it Keep needs going. fuel. Yeah, it's like a car. It's like food. And maybe it is. Maybe it is a, a good breakfast. Maybe mm-hmm. it is a and it, hopefully it does become your routine. It's like, how that's however you need to remember to do it. But mine is, I, I'm such a better person if I get outside and walk in the morning. I just am. Or I do a spin class or something. Uh, I also need to have couch time with my dog. I have to. At night. Me too. Like, I can't. <laughs> so, you fe- and I have to talk to my mom and I have to see my girlfriends. Like, you figure out what those things are and try to make them a priority. Cause you've kn- you know those times you don't have that fuel and you get worn out. You get down in the, di- you something, like whatever it is. Like, you, yes. you know the, you know yourself. So, so much of fuel and flow is listening to yourself, paying attention to when you need that fuel, but also paying attention to, I think what's cool with flow is like leaning into what you're good at. And as you start to pay attention to that stuff, know those strengths, you're not going to be good at everything. We're not, that's not human. 
And so finding those things that, wait a second, like, am I getting up early to do this? And I'm like, okay, with it, I'm excited about it, like a work thing or something, or, or, or those moments in, in work where you think, oh, I had a good day today. Those days do happen, but recognize that. And then how can you continue to lean into that or like build your career around those moments? It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. I, I mean, I remember a moment in 2006, I think I was working on a presentation for a pitch for Burt's Bees. I was at an agency and I was writing up the ideas. And I remember I woke up, I'm not an early person. And I woke up at like 5 a.m. because I was like, oh, I have an idea. And I just started typing. And like, that was the beginning of, that's brand storytelling. That was the beginning where I started to see, oh, wait, this is what I like. This is maybe what I'm good at. And like formative moments of the rest of my career. But I know that if I didn't get a good night's sleep or like I know when my creativity doesn't flow if I don't have all that other stuff. Absolutely. There's, I mean, there's such a difference. If I can't wake up and have a cup of coffee and sit for a minute, like it, it, I notice immediately how much it affects my day when I sit down at my computer. It's just, it's so different and it seems like such a minor thing. Like I need a minimum of 20 minutes. Like that is my minimum. I I would love an hour. My minimum is 20 minutes to sit down and be with myself for a little bit. And it just, it does make all the difference. Yeah. And it's not, and I think your fuel doesn't need to be a thing. It doesn't need to be, it's, it's just, it's, but it's figuring out what those, not, not a thing, like it doesn't need to be a tangible thing, but it is figuring out what those moments are, what those moments of connection, you, you do need to figure it out because it makes an impact. You've said on, on TikTok, um, you had a video and I believe it said that your job should be fulfilling, but not your fulfillment. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, because I learned that the hard way. Uh, you put, I, I have put so much into my career and it has been such a defining part of who I am as a person. But then if something goes wrong, you realize, oh wait, that's not me. That's not that's not what defines me. That's not my fulfillment. That's not what ultimately brings me happiness and contentment. So I think that's what I think we get so, we, one, one could be so all consumed and defined by what they do as a career or by a title that it can get to this moment where it is your all. And that is what I have, this is my personal point of view, what I found that that was, it's dangerous because then if something doesn't work or, or end up happening the way you think it's supposed to happen, which of course it's not going to, because it is life, then it, 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 it's so much more, I guess, potentially soul crushing and it doesn't need to be because if your career is instead fulfilling and fulfills a side of you, a part of you, your work side, but it is not your all because you're all, you are comprised of so much more. You are your family, your friends, your, your relationships, your whomever. There's so many other things that can make up who you are so that not everything is sort of riding in this one thing called a job or a career. And also what I found is like, that makes me a better boss, a better marketer, a better employee when I'm not so holy shit focused on just the one. But I had to learn that. I think my 30s, 
or fulfillment. And then you wake up and you're like, wait a second. No, no, no. This is not right. It's so, something I had important. to learn. Yeah. At other jobs as well. Cause then when it didn't go as planned or yeah. wasn't the outcome, you know, I, I really wanted, it just made the fall so hard that my entire identity was wrapped up in that job, that yeah. boss's approval even. I mean, yeah. it just took away so much from who I was, from my life. And I'm glad it was something I learned a little bit earlier. And it was because I, I genuinely had a really good therapist when I was going through some things who let me in on on that little secret. Um, but I even had a boss once who I remember it was my first job out of college and it was in advertising sales. We had a sales meeting and the first thing he said was, if you are here to get your fulfillment from this job, you are not going to be happy. And I was like, oh shoot. I mean, he was definitely right. But at the That's at that great. time, yeah. I was 22. I was like, no, like I'm going to be the the best at this. Like I, you know, but he was absolutely right. He was like, you have to love other things. Like, come to work, do your best. But your, li- your life is over here. And like, your job is here. And it's just, I resisted it for a while because I was chasing some ladder that didn't even really exist. And sure. coming to that realization was life-changing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's. You know, and if you do, it's not wrong. You can come, you can, you can certainly learn a lot from it. And, and I have no regrets. Like I'm grateful for everything that I've done thus far and the career that I've had. And, but I learned a lot. One of which is your career does not need to be your everything. God. And I got a nasty comment once on TikTok. It was some TikTok that I, some video I did that just listed off every position that I've had up until now. And it got, it, was, it went somewhat viral because I think it was just, you know, the way the algorithm works, people probably just listened the whole way through. Easy. That's probably why I did it. You, you know, you still understand. Well, it's interesting TikTok. too. It's algorithm. interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, I guess. And someone said something like, oh, you're just defined by your titles or, and that obviously wasn't the point of the, of the, of the video, but it, it did, it struck me as like, huh, that's interesting. And I think there are probably years in my life where I was. I also lived in New York where you, I mean, this could happen anywhere, but in my experience and looking around, everyone was, it was sort of the norm. Definitely more defined by not so much who you are, but what you do. But what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's you know, it's, important. that's only one part of your, it's only yeah. one part of your being. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's now such I'm a an TikTok creator. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I genuinely like, before we get to number one, I just love your TikTok yeah. so much. Like, it's, oh, you're so sweet. It's the, I feel like it's just so honest and not, like, you're not pulling from any template of like, this is how I should present information. I always feel like I'm being spoken to by a friend, by someone who is rooting for me. And you have that magic of like being able to do that, even though we've literally never met in person. And I know I'm not the only person that feels that way, but I feel so encouraged by 
what you post and that there's good people out there that are rooting for other people to live their best lives and are using their own knowledge and resources to help. And that's like the greatest gift of all that you don't gatekeep everything you've learned, you know, you, you use it to help others and lift them up and bring them up with you. And I think that's wonderful. That's sweet. Thank you. Make me cry a little. Um, I, it's, it's, it's special and, uh, it's not templatized because I wouldn't, I don't have the time to figure out a template. <laughs> I'm just like walking down the street. Here's an idea. <laughs> exactly. But I, I love that. I feel like I'm almost a part of your brain a little bit. And I feel like there's very much become like TikTok speak, like people talk in a certain way. They oh, present yeah. information in a certain way that I feel like it's not that personal, but I'm like, oh, there's Katie. She's literally sitting on her couch on a Saturday morning. I was like, hey, guys, just ask me whatever you want. Like, I'm here. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> You're so sweet. It's, it's so been fun. fun. It's anyway, it's, 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 yeah, as I said, I've learned a lot as well. So it's been, it's been nice. Okay. Maybe I'll turn, we'll turn this into a TikTok. We uh, you and I should do a, we should do a TikTok live together. I would, you know what? I've never done a TikTok live and I would love to do one with you. Really? You'd be so good. Really? I, I'm, yes, I don't know why. I'm a little, I love TikTok. I'm a little scared of it in a way. I don't know why. I think it's rejection. I mean, I, I think it's a who who's going to listen to this like or who's going to watch this but like but then I have weeks where I'm like eh, I don't really care I'm just going to post what I want to post and if people enjoy it then great but I just like I yeah. go too much between the two I would love to do it uh my first TikTok live okay we have made it to okay, the number the one the number one spot I think this is important at any age or stage is recognize how far you have come and how much you've learned and this goes for if you're 18, you've got, you've done a lot. It goes, or if you're 88, you've done a lot. Like, I think that there's the importance of framing and mindset and realizing it's, it's like what we've sort of talked about the whole time, like realizing what you have accomplished in bad situations. What are you getting out of it mm -hmm. to a point, you know, some situations, obviously you need to report, leave, whatever, et cetera. But, but remember like that, that remember that your life experience is valuable and to give yourself a little bit of grace for that, for how much you have done and how much you have accomplished, because you are the judge of yourself. It's not the comparison on Instagram. It's not the comparison on LinkedIn. It's remembering what you've done and what you've accomplished. And it's a lot. This one hit me the hardest when I read it because it, it, feeds into a little bit of that imposter syndrome that I know so many people have. We can have accomplished so many things, done so many things, whether it's career, personal life, and there's still that, well, I haven't really done anything or like, that wasn't important what I did or like, oh, I, you know, it's not because I'm smart or incapable. And I rarely take the time to recognize how, how far I've come. And when I do, it's almost this feeling of, oh my God, I, I did do that. I did that. When I start to feel like I'm not that valuable or that I have the skills to go for something, to take a step back and give yourself almost 
credit for how far you've come is is really a gift yeah and i think we can all do that and we definitely don't because i think we are so focused on the comparison or on the future there's so much that you can have gratitude and recognition for uh thus far and how far you've come it's easy to not think about that very easy it's it's a lot easier to think about have negative self-talk and oh what have I done I haven't accomplished anything I haven't gotten to where I thought I'd be at this point and it is harder to sit down with yourself and give yourself that love and credit of oh my god look at what I've been able to do what like you said whether yeah. you're 18 or or 28 58 68 98 like it's much harder and not done nearly as much. I feel like I negative self-talk every day in some capacity. And sometimes it gets so bad that I I do have to sit down and force myself to be like, Alex, you had a major surgery last year. You regrew a bone. So no, it doesn't matter that you did not read 50 books this year. Like it's okay. Like <laughs> No, you read two. That's awesome. You read two great books. I know. It's just, it puts everything into perspective when you can reflect back on your own life and and not at the end of it, but just on a regular basis going, oh yeah, I did do that. Mm -hmm. That was me. Regular reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is, there is absolutely something to that. And then I was thinking about like remembering the why and not the what. So it's like why you did something, not what you did. But it's not about the results always. It's more about the journey. I was going to say something Something else you said on TikTok that I really appreciated was think about the effort, not the outcome. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh. That is, I mean, the amount of situations where I put in, like, I always come back to this and it's burned in my brain. I must have been in like third grade and it was the science fair. And I worked my ass off on this project with magnets and like it would not work. I could not get it to work. And I remember I had to sit down with my teachers after school. I was crying. I was like, I can't get this to work. Like I, I can't tell you how hard I've worked. And they sat down with me and they're like, OK, like what grade would you give yourself based on this project? I was like, an F, like I failed. And they were like, what are you talking about? They're like, you're getting an A on this, like the effort you put into this was amazing. And like, that was so many years ago. And I always think about it of, I was so shocked to be like an A, like, what are you talking about? I'm, I, I didn't accomplish this. And they're like, but you, we saw you spend hours on it and toy with it and try to figure it out. And it was truly the, the effort of it and not just the outcome. And I think we get so caught up in what can we say our accomplishment was here? Not, yeah. Look at the effort I put into this, even if it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I love that story. Yeah. It's so I, true. I, and that, my God, that's third grade, but that third grade yep. moment happens all the time. These Absolutely. Are wonderful, wonderful pieces of advice. And I'll, we'll do an update in a year. Because <laughs> okay. you, you said these are the best ones today. Maybe next oh, year yeah. we'll have new ones. Okay. <laughs> You are just so lovely and wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. And why don't you tell everyone where we can keep up with you online? Everything is just at Katie Welch. All one word. Love it. I love how you 
you claim that for yourself. I would love to claim just Alex, but somebody beat me to it by many years, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Alex. This was so fun. I am feeling extra amped today to do a five-star hype up after that conversation with Katie because she, her entire career is pretty much hyping people up. So I'm going to do my very best work today. This one comes from Great Gain 12345. I'm obsessed with what you titled this review, which is I'm obsessed and refreshed. So let me refresh your memory, Great Gain. You are so powerful and beautiful and wonderful. There's literally nothing in this world that can stop you because you are so incredible. I'd like to see someone try. Actually, I wouldn't because they'd be really disappointed to know that they failed. Look at all you've done and all you've left to do in your life. It's a a marvel. You are sweet and compassionate and kind. And as your username says, great. You also said that you love uh, my relationship with Michael. So for the first time ever, I'm going to ask Michael to say a kind word because he was mentioned. Wow, being put on the spot. Uh, Well, thank you for supporting the podcast and leaving such a kind review. They mean a lot to us. And you're a bad bitch. (laughs) Yeah, oh my God. We're going to have Michael start doing these hype ups more often because that made me hyped up. Great gain. You are absolutely incredible. Thank you for leaving a review. And just like Michael said, you are a bad bitch and we love you. Thank you. I want to thank Katie so, so much for being on the podcast. I hope this is an episode you come back to and get some inspo from. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful, safe Thanksgiving. Cherish the time, whether you're with family, friends, yourself, because you are someone to be grateful for. I love you so much, and I am eternally grateful for each and every one of you. Love ya. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye.